Hello, hello, and welcome into yet another episode of Just Saying Sports. My name's Jake Adnip, here with my man, Sean Dwyer. Go ahead, say hello to our people, man. How you doing? We are back after a little hiatus, as always. Things get in the way. We have to apologize over and over again. Uh, We basically already chipped off our goal of doing 52 episodes this year, but who knows? There's always quick hitters and... uh, you know, in the middle of the week stuff that seems like comes up. I mean, we're going to be releasing this episode this Wednesday. So obviously uh, we'll see, but we're still going to try and stay on the regular schedule, but we got, we got a good show for you today. Uh, we're, we're going to be back for you guys again on Sunday. Uh, we're talking a little bit about the NBA draft lottery and the conference finals that are going on right now on Tuesday was the NBA draft lottery where, Everybody around the country is biting their nails trying to see exactly where Zion Williamson is probably going to end up. But, uh, you know, we got to talk about the conference finals, get into some other stuff. And then on Sunday, we'll hit you with another episode with a little one of our Sean's famous farm system breakdowns for Major League Baseball. It'll be our first of the season. Uh, Still be plenty over the summer, I'm sure. So we'll get to that on Sunday. But here we go, Sean. We'll start off with the NBA lottery and then we'll get into the conference finals. I mean, the way it shook out, New, or- New Orleans has the number one pick. Memphis has the number two pick. The New York Knicks have the number three pick. And the Lakers have the number four pick. Before we get into the Zion Williamson sweepstakes, I mean, three out of those four teams had less than odds to get the top pick, let alone, you know, one of the top four. Uh, the Lakers snuck in. I mean, Memphis, man, we- I-, I think they are so happy uh, that they-, they snuck in there. Uh, with, you know, they have Jaron from last year, and they're going to be able to add another talented piece uh, here in this draft. And then, I mean, the New York Knicks are the ones who probably feel like they got screwed the worst. Everybody said, oh, it's Zion, it's Zion. Katie might be going there. Kyrie Irving might be going there. But which one of these teams from, you know, the beginning or, or right here do you think is the happiest with their draw? Obviously, New Orleans getting the number one pick, but, you know, wh- what do you think – you know, is going to be best for each one of these teams. Yeah, I think New Orleans is going to be the most thrilled because I'm pretty sure that they had the least odds going into the lottery. They had 6% of getting the top pick, and that 6% hit. I'm not sure what Memphis's odds were. Um, I know the Knicks had the best odds. Tied yeah, I'm, pretty, the best I'm odds. pretty sure Memphis was at 6-2. Yeah, and then the Knicks were tied for the most the best odds at 14% for the top pick. I think the New Orleans and Memphis are the two winners. If we're going to make a winner's list in this uh, lottery, they're going to get probably New Orleans. Is, if they're going to be smart about it, they'll take Zion. And then Memphis has their pick of John Morant, RJ Barrett. Um, we're going to do an NBA mock draft in a few weeks. So we'll go deep dive into more prospect fits then. But I think New Orleans right now, I, they have to be the winner. So there's no other way you go from 6% to getting the first pick. I've, one, it's unheard of. It hasn't happened before. The team with the lowest odds get the top pick, if I'm not correct. And it's just been crazy to look at the numbers and how it worked out. Well, I mean, what has it been? I think since about September of last year when Zion, they, you know, footage of Zion at Duke started surfacing that everybody was basically signing up for the Zion Williamson sweepstakes. I mean, we talked about we talked about it over – the, the NBA season on this podcast, um, you know, with teams tanking and such, looking at the team, looking at the people who are going to be at the top of the draft. I mean, obviously, it 
it doesn't always work. That that's another question I want to ask you. I mean, some people are mad because you know the Knicks didn't get the best pick, or not, nobody with the best odds got even in, at the top. You know, uh, I mean, I think Phoenix fell all the way to six. The Bulls fell all the way to seven. Um, who both had better odds than you know New Orleans or Memphis or, or I think even LA. Um, but w- w- what do you think this says about tanking? I mean, that that's a big question here. I think per, I'll, I'll preface. I think you know. I think it just shows that it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily help you to lose games. It I know. Doesn't help, yeah, it doesn't help you to win lots of games like it has in the past. But now I think it's going to be. You're going to see a greater divide in teams after the All Star break. Once the team realizes, I think teams would now, with this precedent being set, would rather be the first team out of the playoffs and have a shot at the lottery than the number eight seed. So I think it's going to affect the competitiveness of some games late in the season and come in the following seasons. But I don't think it's going to discourage teams from losing for that 14% chance at the number one pick because those are the best odds mathematically. And looking at it from a math standpoint, having the best odds is better for getting the pick. So I don't think it's going to affect teams' strategy if they're going to be tanking. I think that things are going to be the same. But I think it's really going to affect more of the middle ground teams now. Teams are not going to want to make the playoffs if they can hit that 6% and get the top pick. Yeah, I mean, I I think that it does a bit of a service to the rest of the NBA that it was such an outlier, you know, such a rare anomaly that this happened. I mean, that's the thing is it's not going to change. I don't think it's going to change the culture of tanking. Uh, you know, I, I feel, you know, once it once the season is lost – teams really aren't too into it. You know, if, if you lose 30, 35 games before January rolls around or whatever, um, mail it in, my friends. You know what I'm saying? Do what you can do. But you got to remember, I mean, there's an 86% chance that you're not getting the first round pick or the f- first overall pick. Yeah. 14%, yeah, that's the highest odds you can get. But there's an 86% chance you're not. I mean, those are odds that I'm betting on. And if you ask me, you know, the difference, the, the whatever, 8% difference between that four and six, you know, eight, what, 84 or, or whatever, 86% or 90, 94% chance. I mean, those, those odds are pretty negligible to me. So I don't think that it, it necessarily serves teams to lose. But like you said, I think that, you know, if teams are closer to that point, they would be more apt to, uh, you know, not not try for it. I mean, the Pist- Pistons are a shiny example, Sean. Exactly, I mean, yeah. what, what they, they went and they got their butts whooped by Milwaukee in four games. I mean, they were the eight seed literally are going to be like the 17th pick or the 16th pick in the draft. I think they're 15. They're yeah. The, yes, they're the first team after the lottery. Yeah. Like literally like they're right, they're right there. So that basically does them no good. I mean, obviously they'll still have, you know, a chance at a quality player or whatever, but, I mean, you see what happened with Cleveland. You see what happened with the Knicks. I mean, you see what happened. I mean, the Suns, I don't think, have necessarily tanked. I just don't think they'd ha- they have everything that has gotten there yet. But, I mean, they, I mean, even they could have been up there. Imagine if it was DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, and Zion Williamson. It's a crazy young trio. Yeah, right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously New Orleans is the winner. New York is obviously the loser here. Um, but I think, you know, Memphis sitting at that two spot is actually – the the sweet spot yep uh what happened there is they don't have to take zion 
Because I almost feel like whoever was getting that number one pick was is almost forced into taking Zion. If they're not, but it almost is. And I think that John Morant in Memphis is perfect. I agree. Mike and I think he'll getting a little old and yeah, like, step right I, in. They, he'll put he'll they'll probably put him at the two while Mike Conley's running. Uh, you know, with the with the scoring that he has, and then he'll take over, and then they got you know Jaron Jackson there, nice young core. I think that they're they're gonna, they're going to be on a turnaround after this year. All right, but I mean, otherwise, what can you say about the lottery? You think that I, I want to ask you this? I mean, do you think the lottery is still the best way to decide this, or do you think it should be like the NFL? I think the NFL should go to a lottery, not to the extent that the NBA does. I think that there's a way to do it with uh, having the two extra teams, 32. I think the NFL should move to a lottery. It's more exciting. I mean, how many millions of people tuned in to watch a guy read cards last night? That's basically all it was. And it was a spectacle and it drew attention. I think the NBA is always looking for ways to expand. I think that maybe the NBA should look into a lottery. Or the, the NFL, NFL, you mean? Yeah, NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a good thing. Obviously, there's no, there's no system that's going to be perfect. Uh, there's always going to be ways to circumvent stuff, but I think the lottery is – it's a good way to keep some sort of parity. I mean, it hasn't really created a bunch of parity in the NBA. Obviously, it's still pretty lopsided with talent, but I, I think it's a good way to keep the season competitive. I mean, obviously, you know, if you're 2-10 and 10 in the NFL, it's like, what are we doing here? But, uh, you know, that, that's the other thing is that that's why a lottery is hard, you know, with, with – mm-hmm with the NFL. But anyways, we won't get all the way into that. That's a, that's a full on conversation that we could do uh theories and predictions. And that would be fun though. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, we're going to move on to the second half of our show today uh, and talk about the Eastern and Western conference finals in the NBA, both underway. Both have already had some pretty, uh, pretty different looking games. Uh, I mean, Golden State beat Portland without Kevin Durant in game one by, I think it was like 21 points mm-hmm. or, or something close. And then obviously, I mean, we're, we're starting to see what the Bucks are capable of uh, and wh- what they're able to do. And if they're going to be able to push into the finals, I mean, let's start off out there in the West. I mean, I still believe that the, the Warriors are going to get past uh, Portland. I mean, they, even without Kevin Durant, I think the only way that, Portland would have won that series is if they took game one at Oracle without Kevin Durant. And there, even then that was my, that was my, Oh, it might go to six, you know, if they win that game. But I, I think golden state, I, I, I can't see Portland being the team over the last five years to beat the warriors. No. And I think golden state, when you look at their roster, uh, like you mentioned, Kevin Durant's out and they're going to get him back some point in the series. And, you know, they also might get, the Boogster, Boogie Cousins, back at some point in the series. It was reported that he's on track to return. So you you lose game one to the Warriors without Durant and without Cousins, two guys that they might get back during this series. I, I don't know how Portland could overcome that. They are playing very well going into the Western Conference Finals. I don't know if they can carry it against Golden State. I think Golden State, we can pretty much – I would put money and pencil them into the finals right now. Yeah, I'd be comfortable doing the same thing. But I do want to talk about the matchups that are going on in that series. It kind of seems like I think probably the two best backcourts in the in, in the NBA are, are facing off right now. 
I, I can't really go with a one-two punch from other two teams that are going to score more and, uh, you know, put on better show with, you know, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum versus Steph and Clay. I mean, we saw Steph go off in game one against Portland. I think he scored like 36 points off nine three-pointers. Uh, I mean, we know what Clay can do in any given time. And then once you add KD into the mix, but I mean, who do you think in this series? I know we've seen some comparisons. Steph hasn't had the best playoffs, but who do you think guard play in this series is actually going to be better? Uh, who do you think? I, I wouldn't say you'd put it on scoring more points, but uh, you, who, who takes over this series? Do you think it's Steph and Clay, or do you think it's Damon CJ? I think it's Steph and Clay. I think that. Steph, you know, he's going to be looking at the report. So he's having a bad playoff and it's going to be one of those. All right, well, here you go. Here's good. And he's going to just focus down and be great. Like he is. I think that him and clay are going to probably take turns and who dominates the game. I think Steph might defer the ball a little bit more. if uh, Portland's pushing out on him on that three point line, which is going to open up clay for some shots. I think that they're just more dynamic than Lillard and McCollum, which is hard to be more dynamic than Lillard and McCollum. Yeah, right. So it's it's hard to believe that there are is a duo that can do that. But I think if there is one, it's Steph and Clay. Yeah, and and I do want to talk about the other side of the coin because holy crap, have we seen some incredible play from Dame and CJ? Like throughout the playoffs, I I, I mean, if it wasn't for Giannis or Giannis, Giannis, Antetokounmpo, and Kawhi out there in the East. I mean, they're easily having the best playoffs in the Western Conference. Uh, you know, both of them combined and, and alone, if you're talking about at their position. I mean, with the exception of James Harden at the two, C.J. McCollum has had, I think, four 30-plus point games in the playoffs so far. And, I mean, I was watching him in uh, game seven with Denver, and, I mean, the guy couldn't miss. No. I mean, I couldn't miss. I mean, like, the dude just literally it would not bounce off the rim. He wasn't even touching the rim. Uh, you know, his floater, I have just fell in love with C.J. McCollum's floater over the last, like, four games that I've watched. It is just so money. And Dame has been so deadly uh, from three-point range. That's the only difference is that he has to stay consistent. You know, that you've seen him in the games where he goes two for 12 from the three-point line and Portland's not doing so hot, so... That, that the only thing, the only reason I would say that Dame and CJ might take over this series more is because their team needs them to do it in order to win a couple games at all. Yeah. You know, um, Draymond, like you said, Boogie might be back. Kevin Durant will be back. They're going to be able to take over a game or two. If you, you could give a game to Kevin Durant and then probably give a game to the other two and just say like, oh, you know, as a whole, they basically will contribute a whole, a whole game's worth of that. But I think Dame and CJ have to show up every single night and perform to the exact to the to the highest of standards to even have a shot. Now, is there anything else about the Western Conference that you want to touch on? I think the thing that I think if we're going to label a guy that's an X factor for the series, because there might be a night where Damon CJ cancel out Steph and Clay. I think it's Draymond Green. I think that he just he is something that Portland can't really defend. You know, Draymond. He's been working. Enos Cancer can't defend Draymond Green. No, Draymond's too athletic. Draymond's also getting his three-point shot going a tad. I mean, more than it was. Or, or he's not. He's he's not scared to take it at least. Exactly. So he is a threat now, where he wasn't. He was passing up on those shots before. 
he's more comfortable taking them. He might not make them all or a lot of them, but he's more comfortable taking them, which at least gives him that threat. And he's been on triple-double watch for the past couple games in a row. So he's making an impact passing and on the board. So I think that he is somebody that I would keep an eye on just to be playing out of his mind one of these games and probably win them a game or two. Yeah, and I mean, I, you kind of took the words out of my mouth. I was thinking about this earlier, and I mean, Dray, I think Draymond is just the glue that holds that Warriors team together. Uh, I know he wasn't the first one there. He's not the most important player, but he's just the glue, and I think that he, he's one of those guys that you can't, you can't really plan for. He, he does as much as he can. He can do anything, and you never really know what he's going to do. But we'll move over to the Eastern Conference. Another good matchup, though. I mean, Toronto taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, is there anybody hotter than Milwaukee in the playoffs, do you think? No, I think Milwaukee is going to win five. That easily, huh? Yeah. Why? There's one player, I believe, in the NBA that can take away Kawhi's length and his ability to defend, and it's somebody who's longer and taller, and that would be Giannis. He's the one player who I think could be a Kawhi stopper on defense and could give him problems on offense, and it's Giannis. And Milwaukee has him. The rest of the team is playing really well. I think that he has just been dominant in the playoffs, like you mentioned, and it's going to take something big to slow him down. I don't know if – because if you look at the rest of Toronto's team, who do they put on him to stop him? You can't put Mark Gasol on him. I mean, Pascal. Yeah, there's no chance. Pascal Sycam is the closest you could get outside of Kawhi to probably a stopper, and he's not known for defense. I think it's Siakam. Siakam, yes. I'm sorry. But I don't know if they have a guy who can stop him, and that's what you need to do to stop the Bucks to stop Giannis. Yeah. I, I, I can't put, like, Kawhi versus the Greek freak. The claw versus the Greek freak, I guess, is the way I should put it. Man, I mean, these two in the playoffs have been incredible. I mean, you saw that shot, obviously, that gave Toronto the win over Philadelphia to get them in the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, talk about just pure, unadulterated pressure, Cooker. And Kawhi showed up. I mean, he's done it over and over again. I think he's averaging like 38 points a game in the playoffs. Or it's something crazy. Yeah, like it's it not. Was, I, might, I don't think it's that much. But it was in the last series. He was averaging like thirty-eight points per game. It was a lot. I mean, this guy. Yeah, I mean, this guy is going off. And once again, I mean, the, it doesn't look like anybody can guard Kawhi. But as you mentioned, I mean, we we've gotten a couple glimpses of this over the season. They go toe to toe when they do, and I don't think the Raptors can stop how hot you know the Bucks are right now. I don't know. I don't know about five games, personally. I mean, I think it'll be six, maybe even seven. Uh, but I, I don't think that the Bucks are going to be stopped uh, anytime soon. I, I think they're actually going to move into the finals and pose a threat. But is, is there anybody else besides those two who you think is going to make a big difference in the series? I would go with um, Bloodsoe, Eric Bloodsoe, on the Bucks. I think that Lowry has had a well-documented kind of dip in his play in the playoffs. And Bloodstone is a guy who will take advantage of other guys' shortcomings, and he's going to be aggressive, and he's going to put pressure on him. And it might break Kyle Lowry this series. You know, he's hasn't had a lot of playoff success in the past. It's got to be on his mind. If it's not good for him, 
but he has not had a history of performing well in the playoffs. Bloodsoe is, for lack of a better term, he's a dog. He's a guy that's going to go get it. So I think that he could be a guy to pose a threat to him. Yeah, I mean, you can't forget about Chris Middleton. Uh, there's a couple other dudes on the Bucks who can shoot as well. But like you said, I mean, Kyle Lowry has just not played solid basketball in the playoffs. How many turn? He's averaging at least four turnovers a game. Uh, he hasn't really shown out anything. I mean, he's a good complimentary piece, but I don't know that uh, I don't know that he's going to be able to make the difference. But yeah, so that's our NBA update for you guys. Uh, obviously, we'll be talking more about the NBA draft once June rolls around. And obviously the NBA finals here in about a week, week and a half when they uh, get underway. So make sure you tune back in for that and join us on Sunday for another MLB farm system breakdown. But as always, subscribe, listen, share, love us. We love you just like Barney. And uh, we could all sing along Kumbaya together on podcast land. So thank you so much for listening. My name is Jake Adnip. I'm Sean DeWire. This is Just Saying Sports, and we'll see you next week.